Hey, welcome back to the podcast. This week we're telling the story of aircraft N844AA. Thanks for listening. We have to say hi to one of our favorite mother daughters out there, uh, Monica. Yes. Yeah, Monica and yes. Wendy. <laughs> we love you so much. Yes, we Sorry. love you. <laughs> we love you. And we love everybody who ever messages us or thinks about us or anything. But Always. I've meant to say Immediate hi. love. <laughs> just instant and uh, unconditional <laughs> instant love. But we've just... Yeah. Uh, I uh, we've just forgotten to to like say hi to Monica and Wendy yeah. for the last three weeks or I've forgotten but, <laughs> it's, but yeah it's yeah. it's been busy it's been it's been pretty hectic maybe it's been a yeah it's been a time <laughs> yeah but, yeah <laughs> uh but uh like generally speaking we love all of you um yes we we have like another maybe i'm just on a streak of these kind of like different stories <laughs> but we're going back to mm. may 23rd 2003 and on may 23rd 2003 there was a uh retired american airlines 727 parked out on the runway at luanda airport in angola and uh, this plane had been through a lot. We're going to talk about it. But uh, it, was scheduled, <laughs> it was scheduled to fly to South Africa in two days. But today, on May 23rd, a flight engineer named Ben Padilla and a mechanic named uh, John Mutantu uh, boarded the 727 because they were in the process of fixing it up so it could fly to South Africa in a couple days. Uh, it's almost ready to go. Uh, according to air traffic control at Luanda, the plane began to taxi very erratically, like kind of like swinging mm. around, just driving crazy. Uh, they called them and they're like, hey, what you doing? No response. It's not uh, showing up on their uh, their screen because the transponder is turned off. There are no lights on. And it just kind of like like circuitously like winds down the tarmac uh, to the runway. Rockets down the runway and takes off. And mm-hmm. vanishes. Oh, gone. So that is the story that we're going to tell. Okay. Uh, yeah. So a uh, 727, for anybody who doesn't know or can't picture it, is a kind of plane that you and I really like. It's got three engines, got those, you know, engines on either wing, engine on the tail, very attractive. In February 2002, so a little over a year prior to the plane vanishing. Uh, Keith Irwin, uh, cool name. Uh, yep. A, a South African, okay, usually in people who tell this story, they usually describe him as an entrepreneur, and maybe that's fair, but I'm going to describe him as an opportunistic grifter, okay? I don't have a lot of nice things to say about Keith Irwin, and this is my pure opinion. Yeah. Don't sue me, Keith, if you're still alive, but like, 
I'm I'm not gonna have too much good to say about him on like a human level, right? But mm. you can have your own opinions, right? So uh, in February of 2002, Keith, uh, South African opportunistic grifter, got involved in a business deal to uh, deliver fuel to Angolan diamond mines via planes. So uh, Angola, for anybody who doesn't know, was colonized by the Portuguese who, uh, you know, crushed it into oblivion until they um, got independence in 1975. And like a lot of countries, Mm -hmm. when the colonists leave, plunge into civil war. And Angola had been in a pretty constant state of civil war from 1975 to, hey, February 2002. Hundreds of years of colonization followed by decades of civil war. Not great for your infrastructure. No. If you need fuel at your... I don't want to act like Angolan diamond mine is just just some like... Like, I don't want to just blow past that, right? Angola is one of the countries that plenty of places around the world won't even accept diamonds from because the conditions are so horrific that the people are working in at the mines. So that's why I'm calling our boy Keith uh opportunistic grifter because i don't know who looks at that situation as like maybe i can make money off this um so but civil war has like a lot of people right exactly (sighs) hence the ongoing problem right but uh, whatever right Uh, whatever so the 2002 civil war ends keith thinks i bet i can make money off this uh and he Uh, gets into business with a company where the plan is basically we're going to fly fuel that's necessary for the mines. We're going to fly it to them, right? Because there's no like roads to get it to them. There's not infrastructure to get it to them. So we're going to fly fuel from Luanda, uh, where the airport is, to uh, the diamond mines. Uh, He hatches this little scheme. He... uh, arranges to buy a plane in Miami, hires two crews of three pilots, 727s uh, require uh, three pilots. They use a flight engineer. So he hires six guys, two crews of three each, uh, leases a plane, and that whole thing falls apart. Doesn't work out. The deal falls through. Okay, so he arranges to buy a plane this time he's not going to lease he's going to buy a plane and he finds a 727 that incidentally was born in 1975 so the same year the uh, angolan civil war began uh it was retired by american airlines in 89 the maintenance program at aa is excellent this plane is owned by a guy named maury (laughs) and uh uh, Keith arranges to buy it for a million bucks. Uh, still has the American Airlines paint job on it, which is to say not a lot of paint because this is the old uh, look for American Airlines where they're unpainted, that kind of chrome look, but it still has like the AA logo on the plane and everything. Just just looking like an AA plane. Uh, Keith <laughs> yeah. arranges to buy it for a million dollars, but he pays 125000 down and the agreement is that he's going to pay it off in 30 days. 
Uh, so, okay, deal. I will give you the rest of that million dollars in 30 days, but I'm going to take the plane, okay? Because I need the plane to make the money to pay you back. And mm. Maury says, cool, I'm going to send this guy Mike with you. And he gives Mike $10,000 and says, you stay with the plane and you either get the money or you fly the plane back to America, like you repo it, right? And so yeah. on February 28th, uh, the plane flies to Africa with uh, most of the seats removed. They've been replaced by water tanks, uh, not fuel tanks, water tanks, but they figure we can put fuel in water tanks. What's the difference? They've got the two crews of three people each. They've got Keith and they've got Mike on board. Oops, no permits. Can't land in Luanda. Didn't do the paperwork ahead of time. So they have to like bounce around for two weeks because they can't land. So oh not God. off <laughs> not off to a great start. So uh right. and also uh, again, isn't there the, like an the, actual way to transport fuel not in water jugs? Yeah, Surely there's, there's fuel a process tanks. for this. Yeah. At a minimum, <laughs> right. right? This like, is like a very it's a hack job for sure. So uh, the not off to a great start. Finally, uh, again, the, the Civil War has just ended in Angola. I can't emphasize right. this enough. It ended in yeah. February. They took off in yeah. February. This is just, just, just happening. So they right. l- land in Luanda in on March 14th. So it took two full weeks to actually do that. Jeez. And uh, surprise, things actually don't get better. Uh, the uh, p- the company that they're working with is Kawachi Dundo. I don't know anything about them, but they were supposed to pay Keith uh, $220,000 up front, but they don't. Like, grifter's gonna grift. No honor among thieves. They just don't pay them. Oh, so uh they took the six crew members the pilots they took their passports and said like oh like we need your passports so that we can you know like make sure your licenses are in order to work within angola uh that gave the crew the creeps to say the least uh i don't know if any of you have ever traveled and had somebody try to take your passport Ooh, scary feeling that does not feel good so scary yeah uh and the conditions are horrible because of course they are guys the civil war just ended so uh keith and mike stayed in an apartment owned by an angolan air force general their apartment was like had was like a normal home uh the six crew members stayed in this like horrible little hovel with no electricity no drinkable water it was next to an open sewer like they put their crew members Mm. in this like really 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 rough apartment and again the crew they don't have their passports uh very freaked out staying in conditions that they're not used to right and didn't expect is the other thing right there's a big difference you go camping or something right you go or you just go with that expectation it's really different this is not what they expected uh mike is chill mike's worked in west africa for ages mike is like this is 
just how it is. He's also staying in the nicer apartment. Let's not get confused. But Mike is like <laughs> chill. And Mike's whole job, Mike is like the muscle for Maury, right? He's there to just make sure they pay. So his like whole deal is different, right? Uh, the crew members, some of them are like immediately want out they are very freaked out yeah. they like the whole situation is is way scarier than they expected there's still a lot of people on the streets with um like guns and stuff like that uh so mike hires a guard for them who like goes around with them who has his own like ak-47 and like follows them around but the crew members are not like oh i feel so protected because they feel like they're <laughs> It's like the the kind of guarding where you feel like you're the prisoner too. You know what I mean? Like they just yeah. feel like yep. this guy is like keeping an eye on them just as much as he's watching out for them. Uh, so they're right. now that did not help the situation. They are not. No, that's, out. that's like the worst feeling in that kind of situation. Mm. Like you're experiencing so much and mm-hmm. then to not feel safe by the person you're supposed to feel safe by mm-hmm. oof, too much. Mm hmm. So uh, they start kind of like hatching a plan to uh, steal the plane and fly to South Africa or the U.S. <laughs> and just like they're yeah. they're thoroughly freaked out, but they're pilots and they're going to be flying a plane. And they're like, if I get on that plane, I'm gone. I'm not doing this. This right. is really scary. Uh, somehow my guess is probably the guard or whatever tells the company Kwachi, uh and they refuse to return their passports surprise you give somebody your passport oh, and then God. they refuse to return them so now they're the crew these pilots are like at a 10 for being uh scared and freaked out right so keith who is like i just wanted to make money off blood diamonds like he's he's uh, like okay guys like i'll help you i'll uh we'll go to the embassy we'll get you your passports we'll get you either new passports issued we'll get your passports back they go to the embassy the embassy pressures the company into returning their passports two of them immediately gone two of the six crew members are like that i don't need to be told twice goodbye didn't get paid didn't get paid for any of it uh but oh they're just gosh. like screw the money i'm out like goodbye uh they this just keeps rolling. Meanwhile, they're not flying fuel, to be clear. It's not happening yet. They have not started the work, right? So by April, uh, Keith is like, this Kawachi company is somehow, somehow I didn't think the company I worked with would be shady, uh, uh, whatever. So he right. cancels his connection with them. He starts working with a different company um, to do exactly this thing, exactly the same thing. He's going to fly fuel for a different company. Uh, and they begin running their flights. Uh, the crew member, the crew mem- one of the crew members described this as the most dangerous flying in the world. So Jeez. right off the bat, dirt runways, they're not flat. It's the whole point of this. This is the, the infrastructure, the lacking infrastructure is the problem in the first place, right? That's the initial right. problem. And somebody who I think probably just didn't know anything about planes, I don't know, Keith, whatever, uh, was like, oh, we'll just fly it. That'll be easier. But planes require infrastructure, right? So right, right. the, um, and then obviously there's uh, issues like related to maintenance. Like they didn't, 
there's not like a maintenance crew checking out the plane. There's not, um, there's issues like the, um, I don't know if this was a necessity because I don't know exactly what Angola was like immediately post civil war, but they, Mm. whether it was necessary or not, I have no idea, but their, their policy or whatever that the crew members decided amongst themselves was to fly higher, to fly above the level where they would be in danger of getting hit by small arms fire and then Mm. spiral down to the runway once they got over it. Um, basically like trying to be a helicopter (laughs) and they, but then when they landed, they would be landing on a dirt runway that was not flat at all. So it would be like going up a hill, down a hill, up a hill, down a hill while you're trying to land or take off. Right. So very, very, very dangerous flying conditions. Um, the, uh, just a couple weeks in uh like very not long at all into this process um a competing company that's doing exactly the same thing so like a different company with a different plane flying fuel is going to land on the runway ahead of of our plane and the crew we're following and competing company's plane crashed and slid off the runway right in front of them and uh the crew survived but the plane slid into people on the ground and killed them and the crew members on the plane that we're following landed right after them went over found that the crew are still alive they i kid you not stole some pieces off the crashed plane that they needed for their plane because nobody's doing maintenance on their aircraft so they like on the spot salvaged parts off this crashed plane and like gave the crew of the crashed plane a ride back to Luanda but that was it that was it the uh crew like they are done they do not want to be doing this anymore uh I don't think coincidentally suddenly they actually get paid part of the money that they're owed. Somebody kind of like pops out and is like, Oh, like, sorry, we didn't pay you yet. And like gave them some cash, but no, Mm. nothing is, is makes it worth it to these guys. They're done. Um, all of the crew fly back. They're gone. Uh, by May, it's only Mike and Keith left Mike, Keith and the plane. Right, they're the only ones who are Jeez. still there. Uh, Keith, who's still trying to make this deal work, uh, hired a local crew and uh, kept running the deliveries. But it's it's bad, right? It's a bad situation. Um, they yeah the. Uh, uh, Keith bemoans the fact that like oh the civil war is over so now there's some more competition like Keith scumbag okay anyway like oh the 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 bloody decades-long conflict has ended it hurt my business to fund blood diamonds um and incidentally incidentally so we talked about how the crew isn't getting paid uh remember how he was supposed to pay for the plane within 30 days he paid the initial $125,000 he made two payments and then just stopped making payments and just stopped and this whole time Maury is like talking to Mike and being like hey Mike like the whole reason you're there is to make sure I get the money and 
for whatever reason, I don't know anything about Mike, but Mike is just like, yeah, yeah, it's coming. It's coming. No, it's not coming. It's not coming. It's not coming. No, it's not coming. Um, so he starts to notice that he's being followed. Not that secretively. You know what I mean? It's not like he's yeah. getting followed yeah. by like a, a like a ninja. He's getting followed yeah. by <laughs> somebody who wants him to know he's being followed. Right. Yeah. So. Freak him out. He, yeah, exactly. So he's getting followed. He doesn't know who it is that like is following him or who sent the person who's following him. Now he's yeah getting freaked out. He starts to wedge a chair under the door, like under the handle of the door at his room because he's. Uh, at this point he's staying in a hotel he's not at the Air Force General's house anymore Um, and one night he hears not somebody like rattling his door handle but hears somebody like put a key card in and unlock the door from the outside Mm. and the person who unlocked the door can't like get into the room because of the chair and Keith just starts to like yell because what else are you going to do and the person ran off turns out somebody just straight up bribed the desk clerk to give him a key card to Keith's room and that's it for Keith Keith says nope and flew back to Miami the next or back to South Africa I guess the next day gone wow toast yeah so now it's just Mike in the plane that's it right (laughs) what's Mike gonna do well the thing is Mike's whole reason for being there is to fly the plane back if this happens but he he doesn't do it I don't know what the deal is with Mike I'm sure he has his own side of the story it's a really weird situation um whatever just like I'm just trying to survive this exactly right like i'm keep my head down do as little as possible just right but uh maury all maury knows is he hasn't gotten his money and his plane is still in luanda and like he yeah mike you're done he fires mike no more mike mike mikey boy you did survive you did survive but (laughs) um not your his job did not survive so now he hires Ben Padilla, a freelance flight engineer, to go basically do Mike's job, right? Babysit the plane. Uh, Ben uh, has like a fiance in America, like he, who he seems to love very much. Like she has nothing but good things to say about him. His uh, family loves him very much. There's like a a blend of stories out there about Ben in general. Uh, He did one time uh, get deported by another company. So he does this. So so Ben does this kind of work. He gets he's a freelance flight engineer. He goes around the world and like situations like this is his bread and butter. Uh, One time he did rack up a $10,000 bill at a hotel in Indonesia and just told the hotel that his boss would pay it. So his boss had him had him deported because he didn't want to deal with that. Maybe Ben uh, would like show people pictures of like different women and be like this is my wife in mozambique this is my wife in indonesia this is my wife in kenya and like right but maybe he's joking that's the thing nobody like could ever tell if he's serious or joking and his sister seems to like walk the line with it shall we say like she's like 
I can imagine him supporting different people in different countries. And it's like, okay, sis, like that's a very nice way of putting that. I don't know. Ben clearly living an interesting life to say the least. Right. I don't know. So, uh, but, but Maury thinks Ben's the guy for the job. This is the kind of thing Ben does time frame wise. Right. Again, this is a very chaotic situation. Right. So by fall of 2002, right. The plane left Miami in February of 2002 by fall the plane is like wrecked. Turns out yeah. all of this very, very bad for the plane. It is like so wrecked that they basically assess it and are like literally the engines are like the only usable part of this plane right now. Like you can scrap it, but they have just run this poor baby plane right into the ground. The plane did not deserve that. Um, And so Maury finds a buyer in South Africa who um, wants to buy the plane for the engines, right? Uh, Incidentally, the guy who he finds to buy the plane for the engines is the guy who had been deported from Indonesia. So, like... Small world. (laughs) How interesting. (laughs) What a small world this very strange world is. Uh, Yes. (laughs) Yeah, go figure. Um, So, whatever, nothing happens for a while. In April of 2003, so months and months and months later, more than a full year after this whole doomed venture got started... Uh, Maury finally sends Ben to Luanda uh, to, like, fix up the plane and fly to South Africa. Mm. Uh, when Ben gets there, the Luandan officials are like, you owe us $4 million <laughs> because yeah. you've never paid for anything. You did not right. pay for the fuel. You didn't pay the, like, the fees to use the airport. You didn't pay the the parking fees. You haven't paid anything, and it's been an entire year. You owe us $4 million. The amount of anxiety, like, (laughs) secondhand anxiety, I feel, not paying people. Oh, Oh my my gosh. gosh. Like, Right. And like this kind of not paying people, not like having a a bill out there or whatever, like just regular debt. This kind of like, yeah, yeah, no, I got it. Or just like ignoring it. It, Oh, yes. Oh, it's so painful. Yes. So, uh, so Ben calls Maury and is like, do you owe them four million dollars? And Maury is like, probably (laughs) and pays it. Pays what? them the four million dollars. Yeah, 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 yeah. Pays now he pays it. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I'm what? sure that I'm sure that Maury and Keith and Mike all have their own version of this story. This is the one oh, that 100%. I got. But but that's because Keith, because Maury, this shouldn't even be Maury's thing, right? Like Maury's all he tried to do right. was sell a plane. That's what his goal right. was to sell a plane. Keith ruins the plane, doesn't pay for it racks up four million dollars it was a million dollar plane maury wanted one million dollars for the entire plane i don't know i have no idea why 
I don't know who is buying these engines for enough right. that it would be worth it to pay the fines because yeah, $4 million, you know what? Keep it guys. Right. Like that's, I'm with you on that one, Mariah. Like Trump it's change, your yeah. plane now. Right. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So, so Maury pays it. And, uh, so Ben, uh, works with, uh, Air Gemini is like an Angolan airline. He, uh, works with them and hires like their mechanics to fix the plane up enough that it can just fly to South Africa. That's all he needs it to do. Right. And then it's going to be scrapped. So he hires them to fix it up enough to do that. And he also arranges when the day comes to actually fly it. Um, he's going to hire a crew from, uh, Air Gemini. So hmm. he's working with them and uh whatever you want to say about Ben, he's actually doing his job, right? Plane is yeah. actually getting fixed up. Things are going smoothly. Uh May 22nd uh we're raring to go. The plane is going to fly out on May 25th. Um and like to South Africa Ben asks them if they can just move the aircraft out of the hangar where it's been being repaired onto the tarmac so that they can um, uh, basically like rev the engines at full speed for a certain amount of time, make sure that they're going to be able to do the thing. Right. So they move the aircraft out there on May 22nd. And then the next day, May 23rd, Ben and John, the mechanic, the local mechanic, board the plane. And then the plane, for reasons we do not know, erratically buzzes off the tarmac onto the runway into the sky and gone forever. Whoa, gone ever. F- forever. We have never found any trace of this plane what gone gone so on may 26th so that that happened on may 23rd on may 26th air gemini calls maury and is like hey jerk why did you hire another crew to do this? You were going to hire our crew. Why did you hire another crew to take the plane? And Moria's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And they're like, yeah, you didn't. The air traffic control tried to contact you. You didn't turn on your transponder. You just buzzed the plane away, right? Why did you do that? And Moria's like, oh, oh, somebody stole my plane. And so he calls the U.S. Embassy in Angola tells them, calls the U.S. Embassy in South Africa, says like, hey, uh, did somebody bring my plane there? Like, I guess just in case. And calls his wife and is like, honey, would you please call the FBI for me and tell them that somebody stole that plane? Which, like, you know his wife this whole time is just like, I've never hated a plane more. I hate planes right like i don't know his wife just has to be sick of this right yeah like i never want to hear about this plane ever again so she calls the fbi i mean god bless her she does the thing she's not she's not gonna like abandon him in his hour of need but you know she's like good of course glad they stole it like take that plane out of my life this is the last thing i'm gonna do right this is the end of my relationship to this plane (laughs) like i'm there for you babe but so yeah so she calls the FBI, the FBI, the State Department. So this is, again, 
very close to 9-11, right? So a missing plane and a large missing plane, a 727 is like a healthy sized plane, right? A big missing plane is terrifying to to like the State Department and, you know, all of the officials who are aware of it, right? They don't know if it's like terrorism they don't know if it's this that whatever so uh they like the u.s government uh like contacts every embassy in africa they contact like all over the place and they start to like go on the hunt for this plane they want to find it um i don't know that this was the fbi but it seems like an fbi move to be like okay yeah yeah yeah, sure but is it just fraud like did he just steal his own plane to get the insurance money so that because this plane has been such a nightmare and if that's true then maury is both uh very dumb and a very good actor (laughs) right which sometimes that happens that combination certainly exists but so first of all people who were like with him at the time people who talked to him at the time pretty universally don't think that he was just authentically so Mm. shocked and so like stunned by this um it also would be a really bizarre move to pay the four million bucks if you were just gonna illegally take off anyway you don't have to pay the four they can't stop you you know there's no right there's no like little arm or whatever like in a parking garage they can't stop you from just taking off if you want to um, it'd be really weird to like set all of this up just to disappear the plane. And incidentally, something they didn't know at the time, but since they've never found the plane, insurance did not pay out. So like oh. this was a real loser of a deal for Maury. Like, oh boy. Damn. Uh, so that idea seems unlikely, right? But or uh, to me, right? Seems unlikely to me, unlikely to me. Yeah. Um, the other thing is like, did Ben steal it? Ben was That's on what the I was plane, thinking. right? So here's the thing: part of the this kind of fundamental aspect of this mystery is like goes all the way back to the fact that a seven two seven requires three pilots. Right. So, A, if Ben stole it, things went wrong because he's never turned up either. And, like, poor John, a a semantic, right? Just a nice guy from Congo just trying to do an honest day's work, and he gets dragged into this whole thing, right? So, what some people, myself included, think is the most likely thing, not a whole scenario, but just just how did that plane go from being parked to in the air? Yeah. Somebody was like waiting on the plane, right? It was somebody's waiting yeah, on the plane, right? Waiting on the plane. And then they essentially like kidnap Ben and John. And Ooh, then okay. something went wrong, right? Maybe they were working with Ben and John, people who know, Ben's family, the people in Ben's life really, really don't like that idea. And I totally understand that. And they might be totally right. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't, Yeah. I, it would be a weird move, I, you know, for Ben. It'd be a weird thing to do because he was like a known person to be on the plane. Do you know what I mean? It'd be, it's not like right. secretive. Yeah, exactly. um, so I don't really know how he would like, how would you get away with something like that? And again, 
he's gone. John's gone. Yeah. The plane's gone. They have never found it. So the all of the 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 powers of the United States, right, are are they're looking for bin Laden. They're looking for I don't know. Remember what year we found Saddam, but like looking for a lot of people. Now we're also looking yeah. for this plane and uh, cannot find it they chase leads all over the place they chase leads to indonesia they chase leads in like you know all kinds of places in africa like they chase leads everywhere and really don't find anything like the ben's family say that they think that the um that like intelligence agencies in the u.s have more information than they're letting on I think that's usually a safe bet, right? Not to be conspiratorial, yeah, but like no, in no, no, but general. Like, yeah, I mean, that's general, their whole job, right? To have information that the general public doesn't. Right, exactly. That's <laughs> that's the whole point. Right. So um, the, but in Angola, so I think this is a not, um, like, I don't know if this is true. I just think it's it deserves to be brought up. It seems relevant to mm-hmm. me. In the like Angolan pilot community and their local aviation community, what people around those parts say is that they think the plane flew toward Kinshasa in Congo Mm. and that then it disappeared. And I don't know, again, like there's kind of this black hole of information around what the u.s government did or didn't do what they searched for what they didn't search for what's uh, you know available right um i don't know if a plane like as big as a 727 crashed in like the like the dense jungle in congo if it could be hidden Mm, somehow or if it crashed in the ocean the other piece is obviously that there's like two and a half days where nobody knew it was stolen, you know, and that's probably it. Right. Just like, just like MH370, the Malaysian airlines flight. If they had been looking in the right spot immediately, they, we would probably not, it probably wouldn't be the same level of mystery that it is. Right. But they, you lose time initially. So the plane had enough fuel to go 15,000 miles or 3 million blue whales. And the, like (laughs) it had enough, enough fuel to like go to Kinshasa. It had enough fuel to go into the ocean. It had enough fuel. Like it's a, a decent amount of fuel. And, and we've just never found it gosh see those are like we talk about like uh people being afraid of like crashes that scares Mm. me that scares me like just disappearing and nobody knowing where because like are they alive and trying to survive in the jungle of congo like i don't know i don't know if it's necessarily like yeah it's remote i don't know how remote but Oof, I don't know. Right. And it's something about the, so that just that long. mystery. It's just like I don't know. It's so yeah. it's such a, like an unfinished thing. Well, it's so much worse for the families, right? Like at, at a minimum, yeah. right? It's so much worse for the family. Uh family is like to just not know because again, and and right. cuz you could you could go for months and months and months thinking like is my 
brother like being held captive is my dad like i don't know john's family right like is my dad uh in like injured or like trying to survive in the fuselage in the jungle like is you just don't know and then when does that feeling even shift 10 years later you know it's been so long now and then i don't know the thing that always like makes me sad is like so say 10 years later you think like okay i think that i think they're dead i think they died that day or i think they died that week or whatever you still don't know what happened and maybe this is just me but the way i think about it like it would like make me so frustrated or sad or whatever the right word is that all of that time that i could have been mourning their death yep i like had to put that on hold because i don't know if they're actually dead so you i don't know just Oh, yeah. I mean, even like just the fact that you're the one making the decision of that transition mm -hmm. of like maybe they're there, you know, like you are in charge of when that happens, essentially. And Mm. but like you feel as if you're not because there could always be a possibility because we just don't know. You know what I mean? It's like you have to consciously make that decision of when you're going to begin to like start that mourning process or if you want to hold out hope. And I think that's that's like the the most gut wrenching part for me anyways, was is like making the decision to just let go. That's that's got to be intense. Oh, oh, right. Because then I I think for some people, it feels almost like you're killing your loved one. Like you're exactly because like you're deciding to let them die in your mind. Right. Oh. Like, this is an interesting story. And before MH370, it was really the only story that was like anything like this, where a a whole commercial plane just vanished. Obviously, it wasn't being used for commercial purposes. But um, the. uh, And so this is when I talked to you as like I said, it was like a a heist. Right. Because that's usually how the story is presented as like, Mm. ooh, like, isn't that cool? Somebody stole a plane and got away with it. No, it's way worse. (laughs) It's way worse. worse. It's the story of of two people being kidnapped, probably, or at least I don't know. Like, I don't know. But it seems like the story of two people being kidnapped and like one guy who just wanted to sell a plane being like really having a bad time (laughs) and i don't know just because this guy was like i bet i could make some money off this war-torn country and their right diamond mines like well and there's i mean like there's no chance they're alive there's no chance at this point right like I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think so. No. It's and been that's, almost 20 that's devastating. Years. Yeah. 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 It's not the fun heist story that I thought it was before I actually did more research. But um <laughs> and that's not to be like a jerk to people who have made no, like no, no, no. Yeah. um like half as interesting is a channel on YouTube that does not need a plug for me because they have like millions of like, you know, <laughs> it's a very popular channel, but they have yeah. like a short video on this that is like a little bit more in that like heisty tone mm-hmm. and um, heavy case files, uh, okay. like kind of a medium small channel on YouTube. They have like a, 
um, longer video on it that does go more into like, no, no, like people with families like lost their loved ones. And, yeah. um, you know, so I just think that that. That's interesting. Yeah, that I it, don't blame that anybody. It's, that but... it's like, yeah, it's interesting that it's like viewed as a heist. Because like, or just like, yeah, because it's so uncertain. Be- like, it's not confirmed that it's right. a heist. No, no, it was ice for huh. somebody. Somebody stole it on purpose, yeah. I guess. But right, 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 which is fair. And it's not like, you know, earlier, I mean, the crew, the original crew that was hired was like, bro, let's steal this plane. Um, right. But they were a, a crew who could totally fly the plane and the plane was in way better right. condition. It was way earlier on and they were freaked out. Ben, this is his deal. This is what he does, you know? So he, yeah. I don't, you know, like he, I don't know if he was like totally at ease the whole time, but he was way more comfortable in this environment he knew what to expect Mm. way more like so it's not yeah i think that it's most i think it's plausible i won't even say most because i don't know what's most plausible but i think it's totally plausible that like the plane was flown somewhere that john and ben were murdered and yeah that they chopped the plane up for parts and that little bits and bobbles of the plane are just in other planes all over yeah the world maybe right like that's yeah and that's sad yeah very sad yeah it would be fascinating to find out though that somebody like that they landed the plane and then they killed them and like chopped oh just to know that that, yeah that would be fascinating to know that piece of it just to have some closure at least absolutely if they found like and it wouldn't take much right so if you found like one if like one mechanic somewhere is like changing out a part on a plane and the pc takes out has like the like number for this plane right that the the like an identifying like file number or whatever i don't know what the right word is um yeah. for this aircraft that would pretty much solve it right that would pretty much be yeah. the end of the story and we would know and it might give you a way of like tracing it back and finding out more but at least you would know that was right. what happened and i yeah. also think that if i honestly i think back to was it ethiopian airlines was it 409 the flight that um where the where the kids were like fly us to australia and didn't understand oh God, that you yeah. could run out of gas. I don't know, right? right? But it does occur to me that is one of the possibilities. If somebody was just on the plane and they were like, fly me to Australia or whatever. And if, I don't know, right? And I don't want to, that is actually not that common, right? But and it would have been yeah. a wild time to do it, right? In 2003, right. immediately after 9-11. But the... If the plane crashed in the water, if it crashed in the water, like, like an hour after takeoff, right, or something like or not, I don't, that doesn't really make sense with like the geography. But if it if it crashed in the ocean, not long after takeoff, then it would have, yeah, two full days for like the debris to no longer be visible and it took right. us a long time to find pieces from MH370, and we had to be like looking 
for them really, really hard. So if people aren't like looking for, like they were looking for this plane very, very hard, but I don't know how sustained that was. And I mean it when I say, I don't know. Right. Because to the state department, if the plane crashed, then they don't care. Right. They only care about it in terms of like, can this be used as a weapon, right? Can this be used to harm us? So if it crashed, they, that doesn't matter to them anymore. Right. Right. So especially at that time. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. They're spread. Was not a priority. Yeah. No. And so it took sustained effort over many years just to find pieces of MH370. And I don't, imagine this had sustained effort over many years right but right um but yeah nobody uh like journalists there's a really good really thorough article about this in uh on the smithsonian website um there's yeah but nobody that that was like a like true like investigative journalism article meaning like the the um person writing it traveled talked to a lot of people they couldn't chase anything down the uh, you know they submitted FOIA requests didn't really get them uh Ben Padilla's sister has like tried to find stuff out you know it's just no one knows no one knows jeez that's crazy yeah yeah it's wild wow all right all right heist uh story down <laughs> yes yeah yeah Ooh, what's your fact Jeez. uh so my fact today i think maybe a lot of people will know this but um i uh, came across it actually in a tiktok <laughs> and a lot of people mm-hmm. in the comments were like oh my god i didn't know so i was like mm, maybe i'll uh i will share this piece of information with everybody um Mm -hmm. as we all know it is june happy pride um Mm -hmm. and marcia p johnson um i think probably a lot of people may know who she is um was a part of the stonewall riots that kind of kicked off the modern what we know as as pride now um and did you know that so her name is Marsha P. Johnson? The P in her mm-hmm. name stands for pay it no mind. And oh, love it. Just so good. Just so so good. And that's that's the fact for this Pride Month and today. This episode. Love it. So pay it no mind. That's pay good. It no mind. That is good advice. Yep. Pay it that, no mind. I uh yeah, I'll spare everybody my many, many thoughts because I think like um Marsha is like one of those like figures in history who um I think has actually been I, I almost think she's been like subjected to a lot where people will like Yeah. She represents so much, right? Yeah. To so many people. And so like there's a huge amount of like arguing that happens over what she did, what she didn't do, and she's been in like interviews and she's she said like what she did and didn't do you know what i mean like yeah, she right she like like people well whatever i'll spare everybody but like that <laughs> like she is such an interesting figure 
even if like there's some mystery surrounding her because people have so so many like conflicting images of her like conflicting ideas and yeah yeah she's she's definitely an interesting person to to read about and one of those people who you do just have to live with the contradictions and i think that actually is like almost a better takeaway from her life you know sometimes you do just have to like live with contradictions and um like yeah i don't know if that's if pay it no mind and like live with some contradictions is like the lesson that she offers us yeah yeah that's very nice it's a beautiful lesson yeah yeah love it that's good yeah happy pride month everybody we love all of you um and yeah we love you there's not too much to add to that we love you yeah and i love you so much mariah i love you too casey thanks for telling that story thank you thank you (laughs) thank you for listening Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of The Pod Crashed. Uh, we so, so hope you enjoyed it. Uh, right off the bat, uh, 1,500 miles, not 15,000. The aircraft had enough fuel to fly 1,500 miles. <laughs> if it had enough for 15,000 miles, wow, what a plane. Um, and A727 has three engines, but they're all at the rear of the plane. Uh, the wings themselves don't have any engines on them. Uh, I posted a picture on the Instagram and then I was listening to this episode and realized that I mixed it up. So (laughs) if you noticed anything else we got wrong, this would be the episode for it. Um, Or if you just know more about this story and you want to share, or if you want to get in touch with us for any reason at all, you can email us at thepodcrashed at gmail.com, or you can find us on Instagram and TikTok. Uh, We love you to death. Thanks so much for listening.